seen you all day. Yeah. I, I realized recently that one of the downsides of us living in the same location and also recording a podcast together is we don't get as much of the like chat at the top of the podcast of like, how you doing? How you been? Because it's like, I, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's, yeah, that's not really. I think we work it in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I think, I think the listeners are getting a sense of, of how we're doing. Yeah. I have terrible menstrual cramps. Yeah, so last time both of us were on painkillers. Yes, now only one of us is. Now only one of us is, yeah. So uh, I spend a lot of time on painkillers. It's okay. Yeah. I have a, a rocky relationship with my organism, and that's okay. I'm working on being at peace with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, I've spent a lot of my life trying to just be better, mm-hmm. but I, I think the it's going to be a, a more uh, yielding angle. Mm-hmm. For me to be like, you know, some people and their bodies are just, it's a negotiation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. And because of that, one of the ways that manifests is you're taking a cross-country train trip this week. Yes, I am. So, yeah, so menstrual cramps aside, I we really wanted to- <laughs> Yes, your um, cramps are why you're taking the train. Yeah, well, no, I mean, what did you mean? <laughs> no, I, I, I was I was <laughs> kidding. I meant what your- you said. Yeah, uh, what I meant was your negotiations with your organism are why you are taking the train this week instead of flying. Oh, yes. One thing is that it's very difficult for me to fly and not for psychological- for reasons that have become psychological over time but that started that are now now a psychological response to physical (laughs) distress it just sucks real bad yeah it just sucks real bad but i know most most people nine out of ten people that are like oh i can't fly it's because it's it's all in their minds and mine has moved to my mind gradually from my body Mm -hmm. but not from like just the abstract idea of like planes being scary yeah. Anyway, yeah, I re- we even though I am all crampy and whiny, we really wanted to get this done so that I can listen to a lot of Tom Waits on the train. <laughs> yes, because we figured what better person to listen to when you're on a cross-country train trip than Tom Waits. Indeed. We think. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So this week or whatever unit of time a podcast represents to you, we are talking about Tom Waits and how Stella got her groove back. Yes. And so, yeah, we're just trying to... You're, your time warp, your time warp. This edition is going to include for me a cross country train trip. I, I will when when we return. I will have had that beautiful magical experience, and you'll just still be listening to us. Yeah. talk. Yeah, I will probably not have left. Certainly, the city, almost certainly this neighborhood. Yeah. So should we start with Tom Waits, which is we're talking about him? Sure. I think this of the things on the envelope. I actually feel like I have like a pretty good idea of what Tom Waits is going to be like, mm-hmm. but he's so prolific. It's like, God, I don't know. There could be a lot in there. Yeah. And he's had a lot of different phases yeah. is my understanding. I have, I've just a couple times in my past, I've I've tried before. It seemed like the sort of thing that I should like. I tried a little harder than I did with Slater Kinney where I was like, oh, I probably should like this and then just ignored it completely. Tom Waits at some point or other, you know, trying to impress men probably mm-hmm. trying to be a, a like a one of those guys a cool girl yeah 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 like oh no, no no i'm not i'm not like a regular girl i'm like a girl that like gets tom waits mm-hmm. you can trust me mm-hmm. i'm not i won't have uh feelings mm-hmm. that you'll have to uh <laughs> i don't have feelings i like tom waits yeah 
<laughs> I get all my feelings out just listening to Tom Waits in my car, and I don't. I ask very little of my friends, so I'm a safe person <laughs> to think is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I tried that a couple of times, and it didn't really stick. But I wasn't like, ew, gross, get this out from mm-hmm. under my ear. Yeah. It just didn't really stick. I will say that the there is a theatrical production based on his album The Black Rider and the production I saw of that at ACT in 2003 something like that was very influential to me as a theater artist mm-hmm. and so i was like oh i gotta like let me run straight to this album and then the album was like oh this isn't what i saw like this is just tom Waits singing these songs that's uh, there have been a couple other examples of times where i've encountered tom Waits sort of out of context or like reimagined and been like this is brilliant mm-hmm. and then gone back to the tom Waits. And it's like, yeah, no, I wanted the thing. So I, I, I'm having this feeling that it's going to be like, I, I, I think I'm going to like the writing a lot better. That I think I think the performance of it for me, the Tom Waits of it is going to be a little bit much of a muchness. Yeah. But I think there's going to be a lot in it that I'm like, this wants to be expanded upon and extracted from and further examined somehow. Yeah, I think I have a, a similar feeling of, I think I just because of knowing myself and my own musical tastes and how appreciative I am of really strong singers. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why I've studiously avoided Tom Waits all this time because he is, (laughs) he sounds like he gargles with gasoline. Like he's (laughs) him and listen, sometimes it's fun though. He doesn't have it. The problem is the lack of like range. Mm-hmm. He said he always sounds like he sounds, but I think also, especially when he was younger, it was a little more um, mellifluous. And I say that as someone who like enjoys Leonard Cohen, so sure, yeah. And Leonard Cohen is not quite as gravelly, but like certainly not gravelly, particularly like, in his later years. Yeah, like a range of rich tones. Yeah, in the vocals is not their primary, mm-hmm. but I think there is something that can be exciting about Tom Waits as sort of like bassy like rough and scrappy and like it's it works to the extent that it that it did not disappoint me on black rider black rider is a story about like selling your soul to the devil and shit like that he has he has a voice that can live in a heightened storytelling yeah like that's what i mean about it's fun sometimes even though there's not like a huge range like it's 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 cool sometimes that he sounds like no other person yeah and like a little like a monster, like a singing monster. Yeah, he's got that vibe of like, and then he went down to the crossroads. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's he's, like, yeah. He's very down at the crossroads. So yeah, I don't, I'm going to get on the train and I'm going to, there's a lot of it, you guys. I'm yeah. going to. 21 studio albums. We are not going to do all of them. Yeah, my usual approach now. is to pick an album that everyone says is fantastic and go deep on that before I spread out. And I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to cover as much ground as I can. And I'll see if there is one that jumps out at me. Partially because the Waits heads don't really have a consensus on what his best album is. don't. I was in this Reddit thread that was where everybody was ranking and it's like, it is all over the place. And most people hate the Black Rider. (laughs) (laughs) So I like, I don't know what to do with that. But if there's one that speaks to me, I will, I do like to, I feel like part of saying that you have come to know an artist is not just like a cursory listen. It's like, you know, I want to be able to predict. I want to anticipate the next track. I want to be able to sing along to some of it. I want to start to feel like involved in the story of the album. So I don't know what album that's going to be, but I'm going to hopefully land on something in my exploration. Mm -hmm. I think just 
bluntly, I am afraid that I am going to hate Tom Waits. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I'm not convinced that I am. Like, I may wind up really loving it because, like I said, I like Leonard Cohen. So there's there's yeah. some sort of room in there. But I'm like, is it just going to be the stupid boy stuff of music? Because I've literally never met a woman who is a huge Tom Waits fan, but I have met so many boy yeah boy boys yeah who are really into top yeah boys. i have that association as well but for some reason i feel like i could i could maybe get in there maybe, maybe i will come home that woman yeah i'm i'm interested to see what's gonna happen so yeah let's we'll do... see i don't i don't think i'm gonna hate it i i could see a world in which i'm like a, a couple albums in and i'm like shut up tom waits yeah oh my god yeah not everywhere is terrible. Yeah. That's how I feel about Bruce Springsteen, where I'm like, okay, I get it. New Jersey is awful. Please yeah. stop. Okay, I really like yes. Bruce Springsteen, though. Thunder Road. That's a good example, because that is also very much of a muchness, and very self-indulgent, and very like, I only have one voice, and you can't really understand me, and yet I'm also going for like sort of lyrical dense- density and faux poetry. I don't know what faux poetry is. No, I don't. I, I understood what you meant. Yeah, no, but I just Some lyrics from Born to like, Run just like, like listen, went across my if head. if the note about the plums is poetry, then there's no such thing as... It's all poetry. Really, all language is found poetry. Sure. Anyway, Tom Waits. I don't think I'm going to hate it, but we'll, that's all I have for you. We'll see yeah. from there. And I think this is the first thing that we have covered where I'm going into it being a little bit like, uh-oh, but we'll see. I'm yeah, really oh, trying to keep it Yeah, I've gone into a couple of things more uh-oh than this. I, th- yeah. I think I'm in, I think I'm going to find something to like. Yeah. Or I wouldn't sign up for it on a train ride. Certainly. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so Boom Bow, how Stella got her groove back. This is something that I've really advocated for. You have. Because I just have felt, I have felt remiss in mm-hmm. my adult life. In not, in like other th- other things that I'm watching will reference it, will talk about it. People mm-hmm. that I know will talk about it. It just, it's like Spinal Tap. It's it's something that, that is less of like, a, oh, this is a very serious thing that I know I should have known because it's very serious. And more right. just like, it feels everywhere in the water and I'm not fully participating mm-hmm. if I don't know this thing. Yeah, I think I felt a little bit less strongly, but I think I'm just going to lay that at the feet of the racist town that I grew up in because sure. this movie came out <laughs> This movie came out in what? 1999, 2000, something like that. Oh, I have absolutely no idea. We were around 10 when it came out. Yeah, it, and it wasn't like I don't think it would have been like a great show. Like I don't remember it being in theaters and me being like, "Oh, that is not for me. That is a movie for black people." Like I think it was would have been an odd choice for our age group, no matter what, we would have had yeah. to come back to it. I just never have. And I think that does have to do with the fact that I'm white. And that's part of why I'm like embarrassed about it. And yeah. I, I want to yeah, correct I, it. I definitely agree with that. It was just one of those things where I think we were talking because I, I asked you to sell me a little bit on this idea because <laughs> I, I just like, I didn't have a frame of reference for like, is it really in the zeitgeist? Because like when I was growing up, not only was it, like you said, an odd choice for our age group at the time. I, I totally agree with that. But like, as I got into high school, no one was talking about it because everyone I went to high school with was white. And also where I grew up, uh, 
was not very kind to queer people. So there were not a lot of openly queer people mm -hmm. who could enjoy how Stella got her groove back. Not that I don't know what it's like, but I feel like it is kind of queer canon. And there well, was sometimes queers jump on. I, I actually do not know this about this film specifically, but I know it is a phenomenon that sometimes queers jump on like black. I want to say coded, but it's not coded. Just like, it, like, yeah. like media aimed at black people just because it's also sort of like other people feeling outside, you know, it's like yeah. dream girls. It's like, well, better this than better yeah. this than just straight white people. If it's not, if it's not going to be queer people, at least it's, you know, yeah, you know yeah, there, there's a, like a kind of association. Yeah. It's, it's like, sometimes this goes, sometimes not. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes this goes wrong, but it's, yes. it, it can happen. It's the same thing that like Ari says this about Wicked, where like Wicked is great because Elphaba is an outsider, but like the color of her skin means that a lot of people of color identify with Elphaba, but because there is like something inborn about her that is different from her parents that makes her different from everyone else. Queer people see themselves in her. People with sure. disabilities see themselves in her. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. everyone can kind of see themselves in that space. And so I yeah. feel like that's similar she has, to what you're part saying. Part of her arc is, like, feeling like her body is not right for her. I could see that being a little bit of, like, a trans story. Yeah, exactly. It also, like, is, just to talk about Wicked for a second, it also just is, like, pretty gay. <laughs> it's super gay. Like, all the, like, The song, important... What Is This Feeling? Right? That's the name of the song? What is this feeling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the all the important emotional development and, like, all the good songs are mm -hmm. between two women. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is, like, whatever, a straight love story, like, blah, blah, like but, like, yeah. nobody's paying attention to that. Yeah, no like, one gives a shit about Fierro. Yeah, who is Fierro? I don't know. Yeah. I actually, here's a fun tidbit. I saw Wicked in the warm-up run in San Francisco before it went to Broadway, and they changed Fierro, like, substantially. They changed his big number, and they changed, like, kind of his... His character is completely opposite from the book. And it was already, like, pretty opposite. But, like, it still evolved a lot more, like, between... Basically, what I'm saying is they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Because he doesn't matter. Right. Because it's a gay... Yes, it's a um, gay story. But to bring it back to how Stella got her yes, groove back. Which is probably not a gay story, I'm gonna say. But, I yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anthony was like, wait, why are we doing this? And I was like... What are you talking about? Why? When I thought of this, I felt so brilliant. Like I woke up and I was like, this is the perfect thing for the envelope. Mm -hmm. And so then to be questioned from that place of confidence, I was like, um, I don't know, because it's a movie that literally everyone but me has seen. And that's what we're talking about. And I will admit that I came at you a little hot in that moment. But I, <laughs> to, in my own defense, I had just had gum surgery listeners and I was on a lot of coding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was in my mind being like, all right, I need to ask this question as delicately as I possibly can. <laughs> and what came out was, so why are we watching How Stella Got a Group? Yeah. Yeah. Can you, <laughs> and then I, no, in my head, was, I was like, nailed it. No, it was, it was a little, it was like, it was more delicate. It was like, hi, um, can you tell me a little bit more about why we're watching St How Stella Got a Group Back? <laughs> okay, good. So it wasn't was as like, bad as I thought. No, no, it wasn't bad at all. I didn't, I didn't feel at all attacked. I just was like, what? Like, what parallel universe is this where How Stella Got a Groove Back is not like 
obviously the top thing on the envelope. <laughs> but it's, you know, whatever. It ended up being like the fourth thing on the envelope. And yeah. these things are not, this do not, no. I take, I rescind that because this is, none of it is ranking. It's all just like what we feel like today. There's some of it is driven a little bit by like urgency, but even that is like so capricious. It's just like what, what we're feeling is urgent in the moment. Yeah. So I think it's going to be hokey. I think it's going to be like a little cheesy in a way that's like, I think it's going to feel dated. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think that I'm going to like it more than like a rom-com about white people from a similar era. Right. Because like- those have come to great upon me so much. Right. And I think this just like simply because it's not about like the dominating demographic of people mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to dodge some of the most annoying traps mm-hmm. of, of its genre. Yeah, I, I feel similarly where I'm not sure if it's going to like stick in my mind in the way that Spinal Tap has stuck in my mind over the last week. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think it will still be fun. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to feel like a chore. I think it's going to feel... It's going to feel very breezy, I think, is my guess. Yes, yes. Breezy is a great word. Like, I believe it takes place at some sort of resort. Like, I feel like all the art, the advertising art, like, has a breeze in it. Like, there's, like, sarongs that are being lightly... Blown. Yes, lifted. Yes. By a breeze. Mm -hmm. A fresh pleasant breeze of someone getting her groove back and her is angela bassett yeah and i believe she gets that... her grooves back via tay diggs yeah so this is gonna be okay. fun. okay yeah that's <laughs> so we'll jump into the future and when we come back sydney will be back from the train and we will let you know what we think Hello, okay. welcome to the future. Yes, we we did some things. We, okay. <laughs> we were very thorough. Yes, we were. Okay. Friends, <laughs> we had a bit of a hyperfixation. Yeah, yeah, we we, we dove in deep. I, I think we're going to talk first about how Stella got her groove back, but I, I, I think just, so. I want to get off my chest that I listened to every Tom Waits album, and I felt as soon as I listened to like one and a half of them, I just like knew, I was like, I'm going to listen to all of them. I was like, I felt like I was being called, like not even for me. Like I was like, I'm going to do this for them. I'm going to listen to every single one. I need to know and they need to know. So I just want to come out the gate with that. But let's let's talk about let's talk about Stella first because <laughs> because I think we could dispense of this rather quickly. Yeah. Okay. So what did we think of it on imaginary four? Yes. <laughs> One, two, three. What a letdown. Boring. Actually, God. yeah. I think I can imagine like an earlier, hornier version of myself mm-hmm. really enjoying the chemistry. Mm-hmm. in this film which i think is what most people watch it for and like yeah. that's very real it is unfortunately no longer it's a very uh, important ingredient oh yes in a, a film's in my liking of many films mm-hmm. but it is no longer sufficient on its own to hold my attention just just a lot of sexual chemistry yeah so Not enough The basic conceit of this, I don't remember if we covered it in the befores, is that Angela Bassett is a 40-year-old stockbroker who lives in San Francisco. Don't ask too many questions. I think she lives in Marin. That's true. She lives in Marin. But she works in San Francisco. Works on the West Coast trading stocks on the East Coast. Yeah. 
Don't think too hard about it. Her boss is Victor Garber. Her bo- boss is Victor Garber. <laughs> early career Victor Garber. Yeah. So he has nothing to do in this movie. Yeah. But, and, he, but already, a, what a great guy. Yeah. Fun to see him and be like, oh, hey. She decides. <laughs> there are two <laughs> There are two supporting cast members from Alias in How Stella Got Her Groove Back. And they are Victor Garber and Carl Lumley. And I think that that's fun for them. Like, I like to think about them getting snacks on the set of Alias and being like, remember when we were in House Telegator Group back? Yeah. And both of us said hi to Angela Bassett twice. And that was our whole role. Yeah. So Angela Bassett is 40 years old. She decides to take an impulse trip to Jamaica after seeing a very fun commercial. Yeah, that was a fun in scene. which she, like, in- imagines, she, like, visualizes herself into. Yeah. She looks fucking phenomenal she looks i think it's incredible. important to say yes she is stacked <laughs> yeah. in this movie yeah she decides to take an impulse trip to jamaica with her friend whoopi goldberg yep where she meets tay diggs who in this movie is 20 in real life he's fully 30 yeah all this time goes by and he stays 20 man like yeah. it's just like things keep happening that would naturally take months. Like he, when we meet him, he's like, I'm going to turn 21. And then it's like a gun that never goes off. He's mm-hmm. he, I'm sorry to spoil it, but he's, he stays 20. Yeah. And it's, it's silly. Cause Tay Diggs is not 20. He's not 20. He doesn't look they, 20. He looks good, but he doesn't look 20. Yeah. They look like a great match for each other. I really don't see an issue. Yeah. <laughs> they fall hard for each other in yeah. Jamaica. They, Get involved. Some people don't approve. Whoopi Goldberg very much approves. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg's all about it. And then shenanigans ensue, and they all wind up happily ever after two hours and seven minutes later. Yeah, and it's like, it's a rom-com, which is like not my thing mm-hmm. at all. And I, I thought I was hoping that I would do some benevolent racism <laughs> and have like more patience for it mm-hmm. if the people weren't white and like so entitled yeah but they were still pretty entitled a they were and two it's not really a com it's like kind of a rom-com without even the com yeah it's a comedy when Whoopi goldberg is on screen and only when she's on screen yes and even then it's just like Whoopi goldberg can do whatever she wants like the 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 scene with the pajama party was definitely played for comedy Sure, Like sure, sure. all the different bits of that were yeah. played for comedy okay, yeah, yeah, that and was romance. A yeah. I feel like my big issue with this movie is that the first 20 minutes make a promise that the next hour and 40 do not fulfill. Mm. Like the first 20 minutes I feel like is what we thought it was going to be like pretty breezy, kind of weird and silly. Like mm-hmm. she imagines herself into a commercial. She's talking to yeah, herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of magic. Yeah, like she and Whoopi. possible. She has a fun phone conversation with Whoopi Goldberg. They meet up at the hotel. There's like, whimsy. It's light. Yeah, exactly. It's like really light. It's moving pretty quick. It's like 20 minutes in she meets Tay Diggs. And you would think that that's when the movie really pops off. But that is when the movie starts to slow down yeah. already. Also, I think we should acknowledge that his accent is not, <laughs> not good. His accent is right. Like, if I can tell that your Jamaican accent is not real, then you didn't do a good job. No. But he did a good job be- just being Tay Diggs. Yeah. Everyone in this movie, I feel like, does a pretty good job. Yeah, they do their thing that they're supposed to do. Yeah. I guess it's just not really for me. I feel like the title makes a promise that the film doesn't deliver on. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a I think that's just too much to ask of the 90s. 
Yeah. Like the 90s just female fulfillment was... Actually, what I appreciated about it is how it was like sex is fun for women. <laughs> yes, there was a lot of that and there was like never a question. But just the like background truth that like every woman is better off with a man no matter what that man's got going on. Yeah. Not no matter what, but like... Pretty much. Yeah, it was very much in that I, 90s I, mold of like... This is a woman who can have it all. And by have it all, we mean a indescribable job and a cute kid yeah, and a hot boyfriend. Oh, the kid was also swell. Yes. I enjoyed when the kid was on screen. Was as I, I, I just love kid actors, mm-hmm. if I haven't said before. Yeah, like I said, I feel like the steamy parts, like there's a, there's a time when, I mean, I was like, oh yeah, that's steamy. Like you did that correctly. And there's a time when that would have been something that really made a film worth watching to me. Mm-hmm. But I just turned 34, you guys. My vagina's all closed up. <laughs> <laughs> you at least need more than like one butt nudity shot. Yeah. Oh, you do see you do see his butt. You do see Tay Diggs's butt. If you want that. I don't know. I'm like kind of talking about it. I'm like kind of warming to I'm like watch it on like ask somebody over and like watch it on like watch it and snuggle. I I mean so long. Yeah, I watched it with Ari. Oh yeah, you guys uh, could for the viewing public, that's my wife. Canoodle. And uh no, it didn't really didn't didn't pop it off. No, no, it did not because it's too damn long. long. It's like at some point you're like this is a sexy movie and then you're like I have to watch the rest of this movie so maybe maybe invite somebody over and just know that you're gonna turn it off at some point yeah also they bang twice in the movie and one of those times it is sad oh yeah I was into that time But that because I because I'm into like emotional stakes. Sure, and I a, think it was I think it was a good narrative in an, point. In an on-screen fuck. But like there was an hour and a half in between those two times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in which Whoopi Goldberg uh, dies. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> they killed the best part of the movie two thirds yeah. of the way through. Yes, I think overall it is a thing like many of these things that I'm glad that I can now say that I've seen it. Yeah. Am I glad that I saw it? I don't know. Am I glad to have the knowledge in my brain meets? Sure. Yes. I watched this movie twice, though. And am I glad I spent four hours watching How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Not particularly. You didn't have to watch it with me again. I could. I I tried to watch it. I would have tried again eventually. (laughs) No, I know. I know. It it felt like a it felt like a good motive. It felt like we were in this together. Yeah. I blame you. Not at all. Uh, it was my choice to watch it a second. Yeah, okay. So here, I was thinking about this over the last little bit because we were talking about what sort of questions should we be asking at the end. And I was thinking that maybe we should ask instead of just one question, up or down, is it on the curriculum? Is it on the syllabus? Maybe ask... Like, what class is it for? <laughs> yeah, something similar. I was going to say, like, who is this for? And it is, is it in your curriculum? Like, yeah. when I was listening to the Public Enemy episode to to cut it down... You said something about like in Sydney School of Life, yeah. would I tell someone to listen to Public Enemy? And that's how I'm thinking like, all right, in my school of life, am I going to tell someone that they need to watch How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Which is a separate question from, am I going to tell someone that they should watch How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, that this just, it raises a lot of interesting questions, right? Because it's like, I don't think that I need to tell anyone 
need to tell anyone <laughs> sure to watch how Stella got her groove back but if I were in a conversation in which it's importance was asserted I would also not be like no you don't need to do that which by the way I would with Chinatown Mm -hmm. is this a good time for me to talk more about how I didn't like Chinatown (laughs) (laughs) I warned you I was gonna do this Mm -hmm. okay so Anthony (laughs) was playing magic with his friends (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are all mostly screenwriters yeah And apparently some of them were up in arms that we didn't like Chinatown. And one of the reasons that they gave is like, but it's one of the best. It's like widely accepted as one of the best screenplays ever written. And I just think that is like just the craziest thing that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, like when film bros use the word, you say that things are widely accepted, like. By whom? Yes, exactly. Like, what are what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And also, like, no, it's not. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Like, I've read better unproduced screenplays than mm-hmm. the screenplay to Chinatown. If you just read, like, anything that is good about Chinatown is how it's shot or how it's acted. Sometimes, like, the screenplay's there and it does its job, but that is not what the standout, that is not a standout element to me yeah. in it at all. And I just, I just think it's wild how people are like fucking brainwashed by just like the opiate of consensus. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, we just all decided that Chinatown is amazing. It's like, it doesn't, the ending as we discussed does not make sense. I don't know. It's just like not like if you, if you want to talk about like perfect structure of a screenplay, it does not have that. If you want to talk about like really like memorable language it does not have that if you want to talk about like really well-developed three-dimensional characters it does not have that and if it ever feels like it does it's because the acting is good Mm -hmm. like just calm down everybody just calm down Mm -hmm. yeah it's is the is how stella got her groove back chinatown no because how stella got her groove back is not as guilty of overhype as chinatown yeah no i forget how i ramped into this but you were saying you you wouldn't intercede to tell someone not to watch how stella got her groove back the same way you would with chinatown yes and i think it that has to do with like i feel much more comfortable interrupting the establishment than getting in the way of like a a thing that's a little bit outside the establishment you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna poo poo a thing that like it's it's cool that it got made it's cool that it's cool that in the 90s it got made and was marketed to some extent to white women also Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool yeah and i don't want to take that from anyone no i don't but at the same time I don't think it's very good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's where that's Like, where it are. just, it, it, yeah, I just don't think it's very good. Yeah. But I am glad that everyone in it got to do it and then do more stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like that this happens so often with, like, filmmakers of any marginalized community or creators of any marginalized community. It's like, here's your one shot. If you don't make right. it perfect, the Ghostbusters problem. Yeah, the Ghostbusters problem. Exactly. So I'm glad that Angela Bassett, Tay Diggs, and Whoopi Goldberg have all had great careers. Yeah, I don't think this was really the making of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> no, she was already established, but this was Tay Diggs' first movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he and, got to then now, go and yeah. be in other movies. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to Benny? 
what happened to his heart. You're referencing Rent, and that is another one that I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I have been faking my way through that for a long time. He is Benny. Mm-hmm. And there's an iconic line where one of the other characters bemoans that, that Benny has become a, a shill for the establishment. And I had a college friend in my undergrad who did a hilarious joke that was, what if, I believe it's Roger, but it could be Mark, who the fuck knows. What if, what if the main white boys of Rent were played by Creed? <laughs> And he would go, what happened to Benny? What happened to his heart? <laughs> and it's in my mind forever. Like, if you're out there, Ben, like, that's such a good joke that I, like, I still think about on a weekly basis. That's a great joke. I don't even know the show, and that's very no, like, funny. Whenever any part Creed. of Rent plays in my, like, like people talk about how, like, Rent has infected their, like, like we're all, in, you're not, apparently. But many of us are just infected by certain lines of the show. Like if somebody says, what's the time? You can't not hear, it's gotta be close to midnight. I now, when I hear what happened to Benny, what happened to his heart, I hear it as, as Creed. And it is nothing but like one guy's yuck yuck. And okay, I think it's important that we covered that. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I, I think it was fun. So who is this for? I feel like if you are at all an Angela Bassett or Whoopi Goldberg or Tay Diggs completionist. Sure, yeah. Sure, watch this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to watch a late 90s rom-com and you don't want to watch one made by and for white people, watch this movie. Yeah. Again, emphasis on the rom. It's, um, yeah, it's just a rom. Yeah. I feel like it undoes the, it makes it, white but like ghost oh you haven't seen ghost no i have seen ghost okay yeah okay so it just makes such better use of whoopee yes if she's gonna be the like third person in the Mm rom-com and ghost is also more rom less calm no calm just rom pretty much no calm except for except uh, for whoopee Except for Whoopi and some of the stuff that Patrick Swayze does to annoy Whoopi. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are moments Okay, so yeah, so I was a similar level and like just like maximum Whoopi. Like she's really at her finest, but then you are, we are back to watching a film about white people. This is true. Yeah. That's just a a decision that you have to make for yourself. Yeah, I I do think I like the recommendation. I had not thought of it before this moment, uh, so I'm glad you said it. That if you're gonna watch a romantic movie with three people, one of whom is Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> yeah, that's Ghost like, is that's better. like that's like that's like watch these two people like be like yearn for each other, yeah. and also Whoopi Goldberg is there. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it just she gets to do so, so much. much in that film. Yeah, whereas in this one she's criminally underutilized. Yes, criminally underutilized. Agreed. 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 So here's the question: uh, Is it on your curriculum? I'm gonna say no, for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say, like, what do we what do we mean by my? What do we mean by curriculum? Like, I it, it's like I guess not. Like, if we're talking about like literally, like, what would I teach at community college? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't teach this. Yeah, I, and I think it's acknowledging the fact that like your curriculum, just you, not yeah. like an objective pronouncement on the quality of the movie. Like, right. neither of us really liked it, but that's okay. Someone yeah. probably and does. And it's not really for us, really. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. I, I just want a voice that I feel like I'm not, sh- I'm still not sure that we've like fully nailed down like what, what what we're answering, but I do feel like we've fully nailed down how Stella got her groove back. <laughs> yeah. And I think you don't need it, at least coming from me. Uh, and it sounds like you don't think so either. Yeah. 
So we'll take a brief pause. And when we come back, we're going to cover Tom Waits. Oh, are we ever. Okay. Okay. Now the reason we're all here. Okay. Tom Waits. Here we go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You guys, the sheer, the amount, it was a lot. There are many, many, many albums. There are 21 studio albums. Yeah. Okay. You keep saying that. Is that the truth? Yes. Okay. So there's a whole bunch. There's a whole, there's just a mess of stuff on Spotify. I skipped some of the movie soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And then there are a couple of albums that are him re-recording songs like not anthologies like new album and i also skipped the anthologies yeah but i also skipped the ones where he made a new album out of his old songs mm-hmm. i listened to one of those but there were two more and i didn't listen to them mm-hmm. and i also skipped orphans because like honestly fuck you <laughs> at yeah. that point tom waits like just can you just mm-hmm. i i don't know how much you made it through but it- like 18 of the 21 albums oh okay yeah, I once... think Samesies. I think I listened to 18 because oh. I because I skipped because a couple of them are movie soundtracks. I think I skipped a couple of his early albums. There's like one or two of his early albums in addition to skipping the movie soundtracks, skipping the anthologies. There are like two albums that you did that I did not do. Okay. But I did do the rest of them on the count of imaginary four. Yes. One, two, three. What, what? even is this? What? <laughs> Like, I, reader, we come to you with more questions than answers. Yes. Like, like, we really, we really gave this a good yeah, try. Yeah, like, I have, I listened to all of it, and I'm still like, I don't know what to call this. I, d- I had the thought, I was like, I'm actually really glad that we're doing this, because so far, I think all the people that we've done, all the musicians that we've done have been, like, leaders in their field, and, like, Tom Waits is not that. He's, he's not leading he is barely in a field. Yes, he's not in a field. He's underwater in a diving bell with an accordion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so my questions, like, what is this? Like, is this, like, show tunes? Like, Is it jazz? Is it, yeah, is it jazz? Is it um, carnival? Is it the spirit Halloween? <laughs> is it the sound of a man falling down the stairs? <laughs> With is it, a piano. <laughs> yes, with a piano. Is it, more abstractly speaking, is it Sam Shepard? Is it Salvador Dali? Mm-hmm. Is it a weird upside-down version of Randy Newman? Like, I sort At of... At times. I sort of feel like there's a, there's a way that, like, our plane has Randy Newman, and then when you go into the upside-down, mm-hmm. it's Tom Waits. <laughs> yes. Singing Um, short people got no reason to live. (laughs) Can you imagine? That would be fun. Short people got no reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you. Okay, yeah. If you think you don't know a Tom Waits song, you do. You know at least one. If you've watched The Wire, you Mm -hmm. know the theme song to The Wire is by Tom Waits. There are other ways that it may have snuck into your life. I don't. It's like, is it meticulous or is it haphazard? I don't know. And I think the answer to those is definitely yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Because, okay, so to, to ground our, our readers just a little bit. I don't, that's I, not. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. We are off the edge of the map. Here there be monsters. Yeah. But what we mean is that when you listen to a Tom, or at least what I mean, uh. is when you listen to a Tom Waits album, particularly anything after 1980, yeah. he will vacillate wildly 
between a really moving Springsteen-esque but weirder picture of like American Decay uh-huh. and then in the next song he's got a harmonium and a pipe organ and he's just like Something. I am king of the spooky carnival I ride a horse with a broken leg like yeah. what what are some you of doing them need, some, of the, some of them are like spoken word pieces yes I would say that circus sounds and, and yeah and carnival sounds are very well represented and I, I encourage you to just explore in your minds right now, like, the breadth of what that can mean. I, if you'd asked me before I listened to every Tom Waits album, what's carnival music, I would be like, it is one thing. But now I realize that it comes, even without Tom Waits, it comes in many flavors. There's like, there's like, da, 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 like circus music. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. bing bong. Yes. Um, there's a lot of, and, and he's got it all. He's got it all in there. You know, there's only so many sounds my voice box can make to represent carnival sounds, but they're, they're all on a Tom Waits album. Yeah. I really actually liked his very first album. Ironically called Closing Time. Yes, it's like a collection of standards. Also, here's another question that I have. Was Tom Waits born an old man? I don't know. What was Tom Waits like as a child? I okay. don't think that's possible. <laughs> So I did read in the little, you know how sometimes Spotify is like, here are some lyrics and also some thoughts about the making of the song. Yes. I was shocked to find one of these on a Tom Waits song Mm -hmm. on closing time. And it shared with me that he would go over to his friend's houses and then sneak away and ask them what their dads were listening to and listen to records with their dads. And I think that really tracks because like for the years that he's recording, he's... He is drawing on some older vibes, but then as his career goes on, he's like, I'm going to take these these song structures that feel kind of oldie timey mm-hmm. and just do the weirdest thing possible with them. But the the very first album is like, I was interested in the way, because I have an idea already of what like Tom Waits sounds like. I was interested in the ways that he already really sounded like himself. But the songs are like very straightforward and like moving and nostalgic and like, and he sings like a normal person. And I remember being like, oh my God, he's so young. Like, I wonder how long that lasts. The answer is seven months. <laughs> <laughs> like the ne- by the next album, he's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. but not all the time. That's the weirdest not part. Not all the time. Even and to this day, not all the time. Yeah, I don't, gosh, there's just so much there. So do you want it? I don't know. Who is it, who is it for? We're who- not there yet. <laughs> I don't know. And only Um, because I don't know. I don't know. You know who, you know, you know what a good question about this. Yes. My sister, I played her some of Rain Dogs, which I think after listening to it five times, Rain Dogs might be my favorite Tom Waits album because it's the most Tom Waitsy Tom Waits it, album. Yeah, it's a great place to start. It gives you a hint of all the sort of different flavors, and it's very like critically. It's one of his most like established albums or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's um, still stuff on it that I'm so like, like the first if you time I want to talk to other people about Tom Waits. That's one that they'll definitely be ready to talk to you about. Yeah, like I the first time I listened to it, I was like what is happening yeah because i couldn't just like sink into it and like get into a groove because he just swings so wildly tonally and sonically yeah but my sister was listening to it and she was like five songs in she goes okay i think i know who it's for and she did not elaborate (laughs) but then she goes my question is when is it for (laughs) 
Like, when do you listen to yeah, when Tom Waits? I believe you called it stupid boy stuff. I'm not sure exactly in those terms, but like sort of to put it in that yeah. category. In the and times. I was like... I think I might be about to be the girl that does get into Tom Waits. And I'm not not into it. I don't know. Yeah. It's like I kept I kept putting on the next album and the first couple of tracks I would be like, "Oh, maybe this is the one that I'll keep in my library and like learn a little better and like go a little d- maybe maybe this is the one that is right for me." And then it's like it's just like by the end of the album it's just too much Tom Waits no matter what always. Mm-hmm. I kind of started feeling like I have known I've had the tools and if it was going to happen it would have happened by now. Yeah, I feel similarly. Like I was like I don't dislike it, but it's like every third song or fourth song I'm like, "Oh, come on, man. Like what are you doing right now?" It's not even that for me. Like, I feel like I didn't even get that. It's like, it's more like every song. Okay, a few of the songs are like, this is enjoyable to listen to and innovative. Mm -hmm. And then most of the other songs for me, it's like the first 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, man, like the originality, like you're coming at me with lyrics, like this is so great. But then by four minutes of it, I'm just like kind of exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then it's that 18 times. Yeah. So I also was like, maybe I should be like pulling some tracks for some playlists. But as Maria said, when is it for? What playlist do I pop it on? Like, do I just like start a playlist that is like, these are the Tom Waits songs that I that don't completely, like, make me want to bury myself in the sand? (laughs) I don't, like... None of these are going on your backyard playlist, except for maybe, and this is like, you're having a weird party, but, like, maybe some of the more upbeat stuff on Rain Dogs. Because that's the stuff that gets covered more often. But sometimes he has, like, peppy stuff that's like, this is just weird. It's really hard to... It's just really hard. Here's an observation. Mm-hmm. I think if you are a person that's like, if you want music that is both weird as shit and completely sincere, Tom Waits is for you. If you're like, oh, I found weird music, but it's so cynical. And I've I found earnest music, but it's so like sonically straightforward. Yeah. If you've had both those problems. Tom Waits is I for give you. you Tom Waits. Yes. Because you keep expecting it because it's so weird and his voice is the way it is. You keep expecting it. Well, and he does talk, like I think you said about like American Decay. Like he, it does get very dark sometimes, but he is not, he is like really in it. He's like, he's not kidding. No, no, he's not. He's not kidding. He's not making light. He's not winking. This is it for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to advocate we're certainly not going to go album by album that would nobody wants that but i would like to advocate actually for bone machine interesting of all of them i that is one of the ones that i listened to a couple of times and it is one of the weirdest ones mm-hmm. i don't know there was just something about it that i that like it it started and i was like okay oh, this is we've taken a turn we've he, we've taken a turn mm-hmm. he, he's going dark and yeah. the lead track weird. is called the earth died screaming yeah and then there there are there are some sort of screams or the, the, the just looking at the track list you can tell it's going to be pretty bleak so i wasn't sure going into it but then after i listened to it i was like i actually think there are like 
several hummable tunes from that. Like, I don't know. I liked that one. It is like, it's peak Tom Waits in another way. Mm-hmm. I would similarly like to advocate for mule variations. Yeah, the, I liked that one, but I, I did not have time to revisit it in my race to the finish. Yeah, I listened to it, I think, twice. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And that one that one is one that is that feels more quantifiable. It's like, oh, this is the most like bent out of shape folk album that you've ever heard. But that is what it is. Yes, and he did actually win a Grammy for best folk album for Mule. Oh, Barry. for that one. Oh, I knew he had, you mentioned that he had that Grammy, but I didn't know it was for that album. Yeah. Some of the later albums started to make me wish that I was listening to Hades Town. Yes. And and I that's a I mean that is a compliment. Yes. I, I like felt if that we're too. getting into Hades Town territory, like I'm uh, that makes me happy. Yes. I said to Ari at one point, I was like, I think Tom Waits at his like, you know, most gravelly. Yeah. Tom Waits sounds like Patrick Page drowned. I don't know who that is. Patrick Page plays Hades in Hades Town. Uh, yeah, listening to Hades Town, I was like, if time were a little bit different, this would be a fun part for Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Like, like that part did make me think of Tom Waits. The truth is, I'm not sure he's bassy enough. Yeah, I don't think he's actually bassy enough. He's like, he's faking it. He's, yeah, his voice is not actually that low, but which I think is interesting. But he'd, but yeah, he'd be, he'd definitely be fun for that part. And I think the fact that I thought that like listening to Hades Town and then thought it, they're not completely unrelated as pieces of music. Yeah. As compositions. I, speaking of compositions, <laughs> I made Anthony pay special attention to the album, The Black Rider. And, and I will be honest, I listened to it once and was like, I, I can't yeah, revisit this. I also I'm only so listened to it only once because I also was like, wait, what is this? And the, the reason that it happened at all is that when I was in high school, I saw a fully realized production of like a musical version of The Black Rider at ACT in San Francisco. And it was like a really formative theater experience. But like it's, it's a show that I still think about and that I think opened my mind a little bit in terms of like what is possible. Mm-hmm. in theatrical storytelling what is possible and what is worth pursuing <laughs> yeah what is fun to do so i wanted i was looking forward to getting to that point in the lineup and then i listened to the album and it was like okay this is five solid show tunes yes surrounded by 15 nonsense tracks yes i wouldn't call them songs no there's one song called oily night that is literally just pandemonium yes. while someone chants oily night oily night for four and a half minutes yes way too many minutes and i don't remember that part of the show but i do remember lucky day in the show and it's hard to tell even the show tunes like because i think those the five show tunes in there are great but it's hard to tell because his delivery is so weird yeah but it's like actually if you get musical theater actors <laughs> And you give them like sheet music, <laughs> they will really make something out of the, of that of yeah. those songs. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't listen to that one. But if a theater near you decides to take it on, and you're feeling like you got an adventurous appetite, go for it. Give it a give it a look see. Yeah, I-, I remember reading once that that album is the Tom Waits album most likely to make your friends go, "What the hell are you listening to?" Yeah. And I agree. That one and the the pair of Alice and Blood oh, Money. Oh, me. I listened were, to those, those were the most ones. Recently. Those were the the real nadir for me. Yeah, those 
Someone described blood money as spooky oompa, and I'm like, that nothing more accurate has ever been said. Yeah, it's like sometimes he's so spooky, and sometimes he's so band man. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? I don't know. And yet it all sounds like you know it's Tom Waits. Like in the very in the first couple of albums before he got like super weird, and I did really enjoy a lot of the songwriting in those albums. Like he already has this musical style of that I would describe as like it feels like things are sloshing around mm-hmm. or like spilling. It yeah. feels like the notes are spilling. One part of the song is spilling into another. There's a lot of like s- slippage. Yeah. And that's like kind of cool. I yeah, I don't want to get too I'm not I'm not that good at music, but I can tell he has an affinity for minor seconds, but in a fun in a good way. I'll take your word for it. There yeah, he just he just loves to pop in some notes that are just like too close to each other, mm-hmm. but make it sound like cozy instead of just like dissonant. Mm-hmm. I feel like the thing with Tom Waits is when you listen to him, no matter how weird he's getting, you always get the sense that he knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying about Meticulous and Haphazard. He knows exactly what he's doing. And also no one else does. Yeah. It's, ever. What's the line? Like it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Like it sure. it, it takes a lot of skill to sound this To sound this deranged. chaotic. Yes. Yeah. I read that he, like, for several of his successful albums, continued to live in a motel because it gave him more to write about. Yeah, I believe that. Which is a little sort of like fetishizing the underclasses. Yeah, but that's but most of his songs. Yeah, but he seems to come by it so honestly. Like, it really seems like that's how he's comfortable. And he, it is, like, an interesting exploration of just, like, the American idea. If you listened... Okay, here's another weird fact. Tom Waits is from San Diego. (laughs) If you listened to any of his songs, you would be like, if you just dropped in the middle of an album, you would be like, this man is either from a shack that's built into uh, the hillside in Appalachia or a swamp. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's from a swamp. Or maybe he slipped through space time mm-hmm. from the circus in Geek Love. Yes, this is uh, to anyone at Warner Brothers. I know you have the rights to Geek Love. If you want to adapt Geek Love and you don't use Tom Waits as the exclusive musician on your soundtrack, you are yeah. doing it wrong. Yeah, then absolutely fuck you. You have misunderstood the assignment. Exactly. He's just like, there's there's songs that are like all about being poor in New York. There's songs that are all about being poor in LA. There are songs that are about like hitchhiking through almost every part of like there's just like he just like is constantly name checking like towns, counties, intersections, like and it's places you may not have heard of, but when you hear the name you're like, Oh yeah, you know I know what exactly he means. like yes. Rockford, Illinois. You're yeah. like yeah. Know yes, that Illinois is. yeah, Illinois, something happened in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So there's somebody still there for mm-hmm. him. So I don't know if that's interesting to you. Like if you're if you're like, I would like to explore American identity, but most of the ways that that is done make me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Try Tom Waits. Yeah, jingoistic he is not. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's nice. It is neither jingoistic nor anti-American. Yeah, it just it, is. It is bleak at times, but it's in solidarity. Yeah. With, it is in solidarity with the American experience without celebrating any American bullshit. And yeah. that's like, I don't know how he does it. It's a cool, th- I think that's why I brought up Sam Shepard. 
Mm-hmm. He gives me Sam Shepard vibes, and also in some of the the things I don't like about his approach to like woman stuff, also reminds me a little of Sam Shepard. Like like oh women are women are oh my god women are sacred beings like they're so great, but it's our it's our we are fated as men mm-hmm. to destroy them. Yeah, and also at the same time being like. Rhonda was a good time girl whose good times had gone by. She yeah, was yeah, a sex yeah. worker who wore too much makeup and rode the train to Des Moines yeah, every day he... from East St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ha- he has a lot of songs about whores. He yes, Some tawny whores are a thing he likes to talk about. Of whores, sometimes At least one from yeah. the point of view of a whore. Yeah. Ever? Also, little people. Yes, he does talk about Come dwarves. Up a few and, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, little people not in such a nice. Yeah, yeah. He uses words that we don't use anymore, and I, I don't want to speak for anyone else's trauma around that. But it doesn't feel like I'm not saying he should get to do it, but it does not feel malicious or even rude. It's not what we say, but it's like he's doing it for for the evocative nature of the word. Mm-hmm. And again, like not saying he should get to do that. He should have carte blanche to do that. But I don't know. It just like lands different to as a not little person. It lands different to my ear that that it's like I feel like he's talking a, when he uses it. He's talking about how the word is a little bit inherently violent. And that's mm-hmm. why he's bringing it into the... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think I see what you mean. And also, to your point, his whole thing, if ever you want to do a Tom Waits impression, just make your voice as gravelly as it can and then get hyper-specific about what you imagine a pool hall in the Midwest to be. Sure. And you will do 50% of the yeah, Tom Waits Yeah, if you songs. get 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 yourself a, a musical saw and <laughs> some, like, marimbas. Maybe. Any combination of... An accordion. You keep saying accordion, but I didn't hear that many accordions. There were many. Yeah. But not... I don't know. I felt like there also sometimes weren't... Sometimes there weren't. A piano will do you in a pinch. I will say... Oh, and I liked... I liked also that he used piano sounds that I know from my days of playing piano are like... That means the piano is in like, quote unquote, bad shape. A pianist would play a piano that sounds like that and be like, ugh, is this what I have to work with? And he like uses that to record and I appreciate that because that's just fun. Because he's like, this is an instrument. It has a... It makes a different sound. It's not the sound that we decided... It's like wines or like dog breeds. It's like who decided Mm -hmm. that like this is the ideal like parameters... Yeah. When they're all just things that make notes. Yeah. So like, let's use them. At the Black Rider at ACT, at intermission, I went and peered into the pit expecting to find instruments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Familiar looking pit instruments. And it was like, no, <laughs> it's not that. It's saw. There was at least two saws. There was a, an instrument that you play. It looked like a bunch of horizontal icicles. But it was made of glass. I believe crystal. that's... You wet your fingers? Yes. I and believe you that's... wet your fingers and you do them like you would do on a fancy wine glass. And, and there's it makes like a, a pedal. Like... Yeah. I 
think that's called a harmonium. There's a couple of instruments that are like that. But that's I th- a harmonium? I think that's a harmonium. Okay. Just like any weird thing that makes sounds. He's like, can I make music out of this? And the answer is yes, he can and he will. <laughs> he also, fun trivia, there are no electric guitars on his first seven albums. Wow. He made seven albums without an electric guitar. But then later, I feel like he does great stuff with electric Mm -hmm. guitars and distortion pedals and like steel strings and slides there's just there's a lot there it's just like it's just hard to listen to and i really thought that this might be the day that i like like i've been saying that if i just most things if i just listen to them enough i my brain gets used to them and it's like this is one of my things and now i want it and i can like anticipate where it's going and what the next thing i want from it is and i really thought this might be the day for me with tom waits but it just it's still too hard yeah and he's got some brilliant songs yeah and i mean we've said that before already like some of the stuff that he's written is so good and they're all scattered throughout his albums though like i think rain dogs half the songs on there are excellent and a bunch of them have been covered Mule variation, same thing. But like, there's at least one good song on every album. Like, that's what's so frustrating about him is it's like, yeah, it's really hard to just write off. Sometimes I even really like the ones that aren't good. (laughs) Yeah. Just like the the transition in mood. It's like, I want it. I want it, but it's work. Yeah. So I think what helped him click into place for me is when I found out that he was really inspired in the 80s by Kurt Vile who worked a lot with Brecht. Oh, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I hear the Kurt Vile in, in him. And so when I started being like, okay, he's got kind of a Brechtian approach to being a that's musician. That's why it sounds like show tunes sometimes. Yeah, and that's also why like you can't just sit and listen to the album and sort of zone out. And that's why every couple of songs he's like, excuse me, are you paying attention? Hello? Like yeah. he's got one of those tracks in there. That just helped me understand what he was doing. So that might help you, dear readers and viewing public. So I guess at this point, who is who is it for? I guess what what I learned is that you already know, or I already knew. I already knew. So maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. And if you don't and you want to, I would say, yeah, give maybe Rain Dogs a listen because mm-hmm. that's a pretty good intro. And then if you want sort of the outsides, the of what's possible, and I think the best outsides, listen to Closing Time and Bone Machine. Mm-hmm. And if any of that is of interest to you, congratulations. There is so much more. Yeah. You won't wear it out. Mm-hmm. If it turns out it's for you, you're set. Yeah. You, you got to go see. Yeah. You got to go check. Yeah. He's a, he's a mad scientist. And the thing about experiments is they don't always work. But man, when they do, they really do. If you're looking for anything weird... Tom Waits, if you're looking for anything that's like kind of bluesy, but also not boring. Yeah, yeah, it's not boring. I don't, I guess part of this, sometimes what I want to say, especially about like stuff that that boys like, I want to arm you with like, if people bring it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like we have given you some pretty good like background and trivia and shit that you can be like, oh yeah, I know. I want to give you like when when some person is like, well, Tom Waits, like what? I'm only interested in talking to a woman that knows what her favorite three Tom Waits albums are like say the ones that I just said for the reasons that I said them but also like that guy sucks so yeah I think here's this is probably a universal rule but I feel like it is doubly true for Tom Waits if the person who's trying to talk to you about Tom Waits is wearing any kind of hat other than a baseball cap Uh not worth your time if the person talking to you about Tom Waits thinks Tom Waits is the absolute shit and there's no reason that anyone wouldn't think that 
that everyone who isn't a Tom Waits fan just doesn't know enough yet. They're wrong. That's a red flag. Yes, red flag. I think you're absolutely right because I would be very suspicious of someone who did not start a conversation with Tom Waits with by being like, he's so weird. Yeah. He's so weird and I don't... If they say they know why they like him, they are lying to you. Sure. Like, that is a lie. You cannot yeah. quantify why you enjoy certain Tom Waits songs. Yeah, unless it's like, because he reminds me of my dad. But that would also be a red flag. Yes. <laughs> in its own way. Yes, indeed. Something that sums up Tom Waits for me is oh, an interaction okay, that we had to the extent that one can, and we already said you can't. Yeah. I sent you a music video for God's Away on Business yes. a couple of days ago, and I was like, I remember there being a lot of live turkeys in this music video. And then 20 minutes later, I texted you and I said, I was wrong, they're tiny emus. I thought you were going to say, and then 20 minutes after that, you texted me the same song, but cut together with clips of Cookie Monster. Yes, I did. And that that somehow felt more true. It felt correct. It felt um, very correct. Just bless whoever did that with Cookie Monster, because it's you guys look up that video. It's like they found... Like, Cookie Monster is saying the words. Like, yes. they found, like, the right, like, mouth, like, hand in the mouth. Yes. I, I <laughs> believe, I believe the, the username of the creator is Cookie Waits. So go find Cookie Waits on YouTube. Oh I think they have three videos. I, the internet, man. Okay. Is it, you're going to ask me if it's in my curriculum. Yes, I am. I, uh, for which class? Not for intro to anything. I could <laughs> I could conceive of the class I would be teaching that included some Tom Waits. Oh, I remember a hot tip I was going to give you guys about like using Tom Waits to like leveraging Tom Waits. So if you work in the arts, especially theater or other like an art form where people ask you to like come in with image research or like mood boards and shit. I hated doing image research when I majored in theater. And so I would get professors to let me bring in like songs or soundscapes or like multimedia things because I just hated like cutting stuff out of magazines. I thought that was lame. And I used a Tom Waits song two times, even though I didn't really know Tom Waits. And both times the professor was like, like used me as the example of like who nailed it in the class. And I only did it in college, but I'm sure it would work in the real world too. If you are in those fields and you are, you have a reason you need to impress someone who wants that kind of material from you that's not yet your original material, but just like showing you that you ha are interesting and have a point of view and know what they mean and what is a vibe and how to make a vibe, pick a Tom Waits album. For this, I especially nominate Bone Machine. Mm -hmm. Listen to it. Pick the song from out of that that most feels like the project you're talking about, that you feel like you can bullshit why it has to do with what you're supposed to be doing. Bring that in. They're going to high five the shit out of you. Yeah. I, look, we wouldn't have spent collectively like 40 hours with no, Tom Waits over the last three weeks if we didn't enjoy ourselves. It has ourselves. to be more than that. We both listened to some of the albums more than once. It has to be more than 40. Yeah. Conservatively 50 then. Yeah. That's a lot of hours of Tom Waits. Yeah. It feels so circular. I feel like we're talking in circles, but I also feel like Tom Waits, Tom Waits me in circles. Yes. Tom <laughs> Waits, you did this to us. If you guys I out will there... never be linear again. Yes. Listeners, viewing public, if you are listening to this and you are like, these two 
have lost it. Like what, whatever they had, they, they are so lost in the woods right now. You are correct. The woods' name is Tom Waits. Yes, we are all stuck are in an abandoned there. pool house. Yes. There is a man with a wooden leg outside. Yes. <laughs> Help. Yeah. We, ha- we have one flare gun, and we don't know when it's appropriate to use it or if it would clear the trees. Yeah. I think we just got to go, look, if any of that sounds interesting to you, go for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's it like, doesn't, okay, so, okay. don't. No, okay, okay. No, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do- I can do it. I can do it. Okay. Okay, in in my class that is, hey, popular culture is inside your brain and it's changing you. I would not include Tom Waits in that class. Mm-hmm. And that is a class that I would teach. Mm-hmm. In my class that is like remixing the American folktale for exploitation, Tom Waits would be in that class. Like if I did a class that was like, here are some ways that Americans think about themselves non-literally. Here are some ways that Americans think about themselves in fairy tale. Like mythologizing Americana. Yes, mythologizing Americana in a way that we can use, how can we take the weird version of oral history and inherited tale that we are stuck with as a nation of settled murderers. Mm-hmm. What can we salvage from that? I guess, I guess it's not about exploitation, it's about salvage. What can we take from that and make into the commonality of what folktales are supposed to be? Right. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say like American folktales? Like that, yeah. the like fiddles and crossroads and like people played, you played the like washboard and like. All the stuff we thought we were going to get a lot of in the before times with Tom Waits that I feel like we did, but just not in the way that I expected. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was much more straightforward. The, like making deals with the devil. There's a lot of deals with the devil and like the American devil personality as opposed to, like I feel like there is a particular American devil personality yeah. that is just distinct from any one religion. <laughs> yeah. Any one religion's devil. And there's other sort of characters that start to like archetype themselves, but it's not again because it's so young and developed in a time that's not conducive to this kind of like cultural development. But I feel like there is a there's a class to be made out of that. Mm-hmm. Like that knee-high production that changed everybody's lives where the like woman grows like antlers and stuff. There's deals with the devil in that. He like trades his daughter for something and like the woman loses her hands, but then she grows antlers. And they like square dance in it also. Like square dancing, I think yeah. like gingham. Like I think you could put together an exploration of those kinds of Things. images. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a way to reflect on the American experience. And Tom Waits would would, would be a part of that. Yeah. The thing that I keep thinking of is one of my other favorite classes in college was a class called Visions and Revisions of the Fall, in which we talked about the fall of man. We read Paradise Lost, and then we did like the Golden Compass. We did Annie Prue. And I feel like Tom Waits would slide yeah, in really well like, into that. Yeah, like, if you're like, I'm trying to keep my curriculum. I think all of my, when I get to do community college classes, I think all of my curriculum curricula will probably have like albums in them because I just think that's fun to do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to come at it from a lot of different like angles but yes i feel like there's a place for tom waits in academia (laughs) yeah has that become the question is that the question no No, that's not the question but Uh... i think i think we accidentally made it the question listen we're all tangled up in our own brains here so i think maybe we just need to say tom waits is there yeah he's there waiting for you so i don't know 
I think I'm spent. Yeah. So we will see you next time with Jennifer's body and garbage. Yeah. Some female empowerment. (laughs) Yeah. And until that time comes, good night and good luck. (laughs) When you walk through the garden, (laughs) you better watch your back. Will I beg your pardon? Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus.